Welcome to Church 213. We're so glad you're listening to our sermon series titled Identity Theft, where Pastor Ryan will be encouraging us to find our identity in the truth of God's word and not in the feelings of the world. Thanks for listening. Welcome. Welcome to Church 213. If you're a guest with us, this is what we do. We give praise to the glory of His name. Amen. So if you have your copy of the Scriptures, we're going to be in John chapter 15. We're going to begin in verse number 1 this morning. I kicked off a series last week called Identity Crisis. Identity Crisis. There is no secret that we are under a constant threat of identity theft. Every time you like, swipe, and put your code in at the gas station, I am constantly looking to see if that's a real card reader or if somebody has installed something to try to rip me off. Am I the only one? It's in my mind. Anytime that I have a digital footprint, it's out there. It's no secret that identity thieves are trying to steal our identity and get creative more and more so they can profit what's in the shadows. Talking about getting more creative, let me tell you what happened to us this week in the office. So a few weeks ago, a hacker hijacked my credentials, stole my name, impersonated my email address, And sent that email on my behalf to the finance office. And said, I've changed banks. If you will send over the form that I need in order for me to change my bank account, uh, that would be great. Well, they returned the form, putting their own information into the line item, hoping that we thought we were born last night. And that we would input that into our payroll service and my, my pay and our staff pay would now go into their account. Our finance people are too shrewd for that. See, they, they, she knows and they know that, that the nuance of that email is not how I talk. I'm from, I'm from Georgia. So that wording was, was way too official. And so she simply said, is this you? And I'm like, negative ghostwriter. The pattern is full. And we just said delete. But as we begin to dig in, it was my name, but it was not in the secondary layer. It was not my email address. They're slick. The deception is out there. And what deception a Christ follower might fall into is there if we don't see ourselves correctly. That's kind of what we picked up on last week. That's the focus of this series. To see yourself biblically so that you can know your true identity. Amen? But make no mistake, if you're a true Christian, Satan cannot steal your soul, but he will absolutely try to steal your identity that's found in Christ. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to land on another place that a Christian faces identity theft. And it's in this statement that's not true, that God stops forming our identity once we're saved. Nothing could be further from the truth. 
that once you place your faith in Christ, that God has done working and defining your life. We are all a work in progress. There's a song that says, if I'm not dead, God is not done. Shaping our identity. The cross means so much more than just fire insurance, you guys. It's more than a label. It is a lifestyle. Showing what you know, as Branson said. Once you come out of the baptismal waters, God has just begun the process of developing you into the full identity of the image of His Son. It's called the sanctification process. That's not a church word. That is a Bible word. You need to know those words. God develops our identity as we live connected to Christ. Raise your hand if you're married, guys. Okay, be proud about it. Some of you guys are like, I don't know if I... Okay, loud and proud. Let me ask you this. That wedding ring that you wear, is that a label? Or is that a lifestyle? Thank you. Okay, Pastor Ryan, marriage tip. If you wear a ring to label yourself as married, you better live like you're married. People are like, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, right? You don't have to go home to be happy. But it helps. It is a lifestyle. You show what you know. And if you think the cross is just to get out of hell free card, it's likely you have misapplied the cross. Because what is true about you is what God says about you. What God says about you. A once runaway orphan digging for meaning of life in the gutter of the world. He says, now you are my child. I have called you by name. I am the potter. You are the clay. You are the branch. I am Yahweh Elohim. I am the vine dresser. See, knowing that God's love, y'all, knowing that it still shapes us and molds us and casts us and frames up our lives, that is the identity of a true branch. Knowing, knowing that that's the identity is another foothold I've been telling you since January 1. That is a foothold that you need for the storm that's, that, that's here and it's raging for the rest of 2022. We better know where we are grounded. We better know we, better know we have an anchor in the ground. I'm telling you. You have to have a foothold because life will start to slide and it's going to slide even more. And people are going to be grasping for a foothold and knowing your identity is the foothold. And knowing yourselves correctly, listen to me, I'm begging you. Knowing yourself correctly is a foothold to put an anchor in the ground. Stop letting the devil rip you off with a lie. Identity theft. God does not leave the true Christian to grow on their own. Amen? Man, I'm so thankful. Y'all write this down, it's on your notes. God will not stop working in the Christian until maximum fruitfulness is accomplished. God will not stop working in the Christian until maximum usefulness is accomplished. The Bible tells us there is powerful there is power when there is public reading of his scripture. You see often the Bible was read in the, the assembly of the people. It was read in public together. So let's do that together, church. Let's, let's stand and let's read publicly. 
in the authority and in the reverence of the life-changing bread that God has given us. We're going to be in John chapter 15, starting in verse 6. John chapter 15, verse 1, says this. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4. So remain in me and I in you just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. And the one who remains in me and I in him produce much fruit because you could do nothing without me. So if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch. He withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to me my disciples. You guys can have a seat. So what we're going to do the next 94 minutes. No, I'm kidding. Or am I? What we're going to do is we're going to work our way through verses 1 through 6. We're going to, we're going to talk about the identity of being a true branch. Here's what you need to know. This is a parable. It's an earthly, earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's the way that God would, through Christ and the words, would use language to draw their attention back to the things that they knew. It's often I say things like, for example, or what I'm trying to say is. And so this parable for the disciples, it would bring their minds right back to the vine motif, the vine imagery in the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament is full of the images of vines. Because a vine represented Israel's complete faithfulness or complete disobedience to God. So in the Old Testament, a vine would grow into a mighty tree if they stayed faithful to God. And if not, as in the case of many of, of the, the um, Israel's kings, even when the kingdom was divided between north and south, what you find is that vine would be, that vine would be cut off. It would be burned. It would, be, it would become under God's judgment. So as the vine, as Israel would be obedient, they would grow in strength. As they would draw back in disobedience, they would become weak and wither, and God would judge them and remove them from the land. But what we see right here in John 15 is John was, was, was explaining the words of Jesus. Jesus was saying that He is the true vine. True right here, the word means full revealing of what is real. Uh, think about it like full authenticity. Like if you see a man without a beard. 
if you see a woman without her makeup. You get a true revealing. You, you, get, a, you get a full picture. And so when Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, what he's saying is, I am the full revelation of God's faithful obedience to God. I am the picture of complete obedience. Luke 2.52 says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with man and God. What he's saying there is, I am doing what the nation of Israel could not do. I am the true vine. I am a picture of complete obedience. I am the standard. He was the, he was the final vine of Israel. Is what he's saying. And they were told, we don't, we don't get it because you know, we don't have vines growing intentionally in our yard. We try to remove those things. But in the, in the Old Testament, it would carry over into exactly what the disciples were seeing. You guys understand? It's, we have to know the context. The Bible's not written for us. It benefits us because it's truth and truth is eternal. But you have to know who it was written to and why the people were receiving it the way they did. So this was the final vine. It's, it's right here in John that the idea of vine is taken and it's totally redefined for his followers. And here's what I mean. Before Christ, the vine was a symbol of a person working for God. After Christ, the vine is a symbol of God working in us. It's the new covenant. Man looks on the outside. But God looks upon what? The heart. And never for one second does God look at us, the one that he has called by name, and says, you know what, my goal for this one is to simply be on, on their own just doing the best they can. How are you doing? I'm, I'm all right. I'm doing the best I can do. See, checking church boxes, that is not what it's about. Because we'll never be able to do enough or be good enough. Because that would undercut the gospel. It undercuts the gospel that says this. Christ paid a debt he did not owe because we had a debt we could not pay. It's exclusively in him. True branches, what I want you to know, church, true branches don't perform. True branches grow in Christ and they show off in Christ. They connect to the vine and they expect good fruit from the vine. Here, here's a pastor tip for you. True vines make the best sheep because they're always willing and they're ready to go to new pastures. A true vine, a true Christian is hungry and they thirst for righteousness and they are fun to lead. But the reality is, and, I, and, and Pastor Dom had this conversation a lot, sheep are led, they're not driven. Cattle are driven. You cannot drive someone a place they don't want to go, right? What do you do? You have to lead. You have to lead them. They have to have a heart that desires to be led, to hunger and to thirst for the word to which cuts and which is alive and which shapes and which forms. They have to want to be connected to the vine. And that's the identity of a true branch. And what John 15 is doing is Jesus is unpacking a true branch. There's vineyards everywhere. I would love to see the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm going to see it one day. I am. I'm going to walk through the Kidron Valley. I'm going to look on the city of Jerusalem. I might have my glorified body. I'm not going to Israel right now. Ain't no way. 
Okay? I can read about it. I can dream about it. I'm going to visit one day. But I can't wait to see the... There are, there are olive vines. There are olive trees. There are branches there that were there in the time of Christ. Can you imagine to see something like that? Possibly where the feet of my Savior walked. Wow. So this totally makes sense that, that Jesus would be explaining to his disciples... Lots of people were coming up wanting to follow. A lot of people wanted to join the club. And what he's doing is he's unpacking, okay, this is going to be some difficult days ahead, and you guys need to be very aware of what a true branch is. So I'm going to unpack it. The first thing is this. A true branch trusts the producer. It trusts the producer. Y'all with me? Say I am. Verse 1 says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Jesus compares himself as the true vine. Remember, he is the true picture of obedience. And he says that my father is the gardener. The word gardener can also mean farmer. Our father is the gardener. And what's the gardener done? He has planted a vineyard. He has planted a beautiful vine. Catch this now. He's plowed it. He's planned it. He's placed the seed in the ground. He's decided where the rows will be laid out. He and His will alone for the purpose of providing fruit. When, you, when, you, when Good Friday rolls around and, it's, and you plow the ground and you lay the seed, it's with intentionality. You did that, right? You make the plan of where the garden is planted. You get the seed. You call it out of the store. You put it in the ground. It's by your sovereign will alone that you plant the garden. This tells us that God alone is the one that, wrote, that, that sows and reaps. And His Spirit's the one that calls. I love what Branson said. I felt for five weeks the gardener calling my name. Like a balloon filling up. Being, the Word being planted and it was growing. What am I, what am I to do with this? Repent and be baptized. Pop! The relief of salvation washed over him like a flood. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit was applied. The vine represents Christ. And so what are we? Just a bunch of branches. Y'all are some good looking branches. Come on, sit, sit up straight. Come on, be the branch except for if, if you can, okay? You're some good looking branches out there. Look to the person next to you. Just admire their branch for a minute. got a good vineyard going on in here this is awkward here's the thing we're just the branches if you're a christian you're just a branch christian means little christ those who believe in him they've committed to follow him by obedience and they show what they know and so in essence what jesus is saying is i am doing what you could not do. I am the true vine. Israel. See Israel was supposed to be the vine. That would supply the world with the father's will. But they couldn't do it. So Christ steps into humanity. To fulfill what they and what you and I cannot do. Now he is producing the fruit. Now it's for his name's sake in us. Called the church. We are, we are now the branches. 
connected to the true vine that Israel could not accomplish. Produce. That's what happens. A true branch trusts the producer. See, don't think for a minute that when you see, uh, when you see TV, when you see a TV, when you see a, see a new movie come across, don't think for a minute that all of those things just fell into place on accident. Like the scripts just happened to fall in place, or the studio was there, everything was aligned in order. No, what has to happen is those actors and those set designers and, and the promotion department for the film, what they did is they came under the authority of somebody that was in charge of it all. And that person in the movie industry is called the producer. There's got to be somebody behind the scenes that paid for it all. Every small piece. There has to be somebody that takes the plan and puts it all together in order to produce the perfect product that you see. That's why movie tickets are so expensive. If you knew how much, one, if you knew how much waste went into a movie, but if you knew how much effort and how much planning went into making that happen, you would say, wow, okay, I can, I can trust that the producer knows what he's doing. And here's the point. If we're going to trust the producer, the vine dresser, then our identity is not where we are. It's not what we own. It's not what we give. It's not what we make. It's not who we're with. It's not what we do. It's not how we feel. It's not who likes us. It's not who hires us. It's not who fires us. What we have or what we don't have. Here's what I'm trying to say. The source of our identity... It has to be completely attached to the true vine. Because it's the true vine who produces in us purpose and joy that cannot be grown in any other ground. You've got to have, the song said, by, I've put my anchor in the ground. Because it's only in Christ that things hold, that things grow. That we find purpose and we find joy. If you, put, if you put the seeds of your life in earthly ground, it can't produce godly fruit. It just can't do it. Because it's not connected to the true vine. This is why when you pull away from Christ in any area, listen to me, you begin to dry up. If you pull away from Christ in any area, you dry up in that area. And if you don't dry up, it's likely you're not connected to Christ to begin with. Y'all think about that. Ephesians 2 tells us that a non-Christian can't dry up. How can a non-Christian not dry up spiritually? Because they're spiritually dead. They haven't been raised to walk in newness of life. If you don't have, if you haven't been born again, you can't have your spirit refreshed by the things of God because you're in in opposition. What I'm saying is this: we are made to trust the producer. Psalm 63 tells us this. Psalm 63, 1 and 7. God, you are my God, and I eagerly seek you. I thirst. My body faints for you. In a land that is dry and desolate 
and without water. You know what that's describing? He's drying up, but he don't want to. Why is he drying up? Because he has a spiritual connection with the producer. And so I gaze on you in the sanctuary. I see your strength. I see your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. He is flourishing. When I think of you as I lie on my bed, as I meditate on you during the night watches, because you are my helper, I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. Somebody needs to write that on a note card, on a sticky note, and apply it to your life this week. That'll keep you from drying up as a true branch. Y'all write this down. Our, our intimacy with God, His highest priority for our lives, catch this now, it determines the impact of our life. It determines the impact. My prayer is that my prayer is that you would let the Lord you would let the Lord take your hand and whisper to you this. Free yourself from trying to grow on your own. You are not the producer. You're just a branch. And good looking branches at that. You're not the producer. Something else, though, a true branch accepts the process. We're getting down on the weeds, okay? This is, this is for somebody this morning. Yes, you've got to trust the producer. That's what a true branch does. A true branch also accepts. I chose my words very carefully because I believe that's what the text is telling us. A true branch accepts the process. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Here's what's going on right here. Jesus is, 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 is developing the idea of a branch. And as with any vineyard, the vine dresser is, is serious about what comes out of the ground. Because the fruit reflects the knowledge of the gardener. Y'all catch that? That vine dresser cares about what that yard looks like. Because that yard reflects the man of the house. The creator of all things. A couple years ago, I called Debbie and just check in and I said, everything going okay at the house? She's like, yeah, some guy just left. He was coming by to want to treat our yard. I said, well, I do that. She said, that's what I told him. And he said, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I know people. I wanted to say, you tell him I got some friends that aren't right with the Lord. and I <laughs> We will handle it. I took that serious. Doggone. You know why? Because that's my yard. 
Don't anybody come in my yard and disrespect the weeds that I am growing in my yard. Okay? It's hard to let four-leaf clovers grow in my yard. So what did I do? I got serious about my grass. Because I didn't want anybody ever coming by my house going, obviously whoever's the man of this house has no clue what he's doing, so why don't you let me handle it? No, I'm going to handle my own business. Including the yard. I care about it. That's what I'm trying to say. Christ is the true vine. And if you've connected your life with Him, He is serious about what is produced in your life. Y'all with me? So what does he do? What does the text says? Well, God evaluates all real Christians. He evaluates them. We have to accept the process. God evaluates all real Christians. He is interested in the branches that bear fruit. And so what is he doing? He's moving up and down your life. He's moving up and down the rows of your life. The rows of your media life. The rows of your hobby life, the rows of your financial life, the rows of your single life, your married life, your school life, your private life, your music. God is moving up and down your life, evaluating what actually is bearing fruit, carefully examining the progress of every branch because He loves the vineyard so much. There is nothing more important than the vine. Case in point, we are not the vine. What are we? Branches. There's nothing more important than the vine. That vine has the greatest priority because it's through, y'all catch this, it's through the vine that the fruit of the glory of the vine is put on display. So when God works in your life, the fruit that comes out of your life, it's not because of us, it's because of the vine. That's been loved by the vineyard. Been loved by the gardener. See, you lose a dead branch. So what? But you lose a vine. You've lost it all. Because the vine is the one that produces the fruit. A true Christian. I want you, here's what I want you to know. A true Christian should expect God to evaluate your life. Because the skill of the gardener is on the line. And if you don't want to be under constant watch of of God, don't you enter into a relationship with Christ. We have to count the cost. Branson's 11. Where you at, my man? There he is. His hair's still wet. You did good, by the way. Was it Wednesday or Thursday? Was it Thursday you came out here? Thursday, Branson and I, just the two of us, sat right there. And we had a very honest, probably fearful conversation about what it meant to enter into a relationship with Christ. I wanted this young man to count the cost. And we talked about conviction. And we talked about being set free from the bondage of sin. We talked about glorification we talked about sanctification we talked about we talked about the things that will systematically anchor his heart it's so much more than water church the last thing i want him to do is to go through the waters and walk right past the cross 
to anchor ourselves in the ground. Never to question God's faithfulness. Jesus even tells his own disciples, hey, you need to count the cost. Because once you enter into a relationship, it is on. You are mine. And I am after you in relentless pursuit. He said this in, in Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said this. You got it back there? I've got it right here. Well, basically, I've got it right here. This is what Matthew 16, 24 says. And Jesus said to his disciples, If any man really wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. You better count the cost. Count the cost. And so, what we see right here in, in, in verse 2 is you see these words, every branch of me that does not produce fruit, he removes. The Greek word, or some of your translations might say take away. The Greek word right there is aero, and it means this. Catch this now. It means to lift up. It's the idea, we're talking about a true branch. It means to lift up. A gardener, he would, he would move along the line inspecting that, that, that vine. And if he saw a connected branch that had fallen to the ground... The vine dresser would lift it back up in the air by placing two sticks under it. Y'all with me? He would cross two sticks and he would pick that heavy branch up that was dragging the ground, that was getting caught behind the windscreen, and he would prop, he would lift, he would, he would bring that branch back up to a position so it could thrive again. Amen? Y'all see where this is going? Why? Because the branch that had fallen could not get the right airflow. It was being suffocated by the environment. The branch that was lying on the ground, it struggled to bear fruit. Because a low-lying branch would get disease. A low-lying branch would get bugs. A low-lying branch would lack the airflow. So moisture would get on it. Too much moisture would create mold. The branch couldn't get the proper sunlight, so the leaves would begin to shrivel up. A branch lying on the ground wouldn't get the, around, the right amount of rain. So what does the vine dresser do to the branch? He does what that branch, catch this, cannot do on its own. He comes by, and he lifts it up. Whew. Giving it life again. Why would he do that? Because the fruit of the vine is in danger. And because the vine dresser's reputation is on the line. So what did I do when somebody was making fun of my yard? I got to work. I got to work myself. Applying what needed to be done because I wanted to produce something that made my neighbors jealous. No, not really. Okay, so kind of. I'm in competitions with my neighbor. They don't even know it. I'll tell Debbie about three weeks into spring. I'm beating that guy. She's like, what are you? They don't even know you're in competition. I'm like, I know, but I'm winning. Winning what? That's a good point. <laughs> you care about, lifts that vine up 
And I, I want you to know this, make no mistake, if you've placed your faith in Christ alone for the free pardon of sin, and you've trusted Him with your life, body, mind, and spirit, God will not let you lay on the ground forever. He will lift you up because His glory is too magnificent for that. Amen? Goodness gracious, that'll preach. He will do, listen, whatever is necessary to get your attention. I'm a snapper with my kids, not with my wife. I'm no fool. But if I need to get my... See that? If I need to get my kids' attention... Okay, not a yell or screamer. It's never, yes, it's not my mo, but but just you know, it's that whatever I need to do to get my kids, whatever the Lord, a true branch, needs to have, grabbed with their attention, He will do it to get you back up out of the dirt so that you can bear fruit again. Why is it we just like to, we just like to get down the dirt, don't we? But God's grace is so sufficient. That he will lift us up so that we can live again. So we can have fruit again. And that lifting, hey, it might come from your church family. I've heard testimony. Man, I was, I was so low today. But I got into corporate worship with my faith family and I went out lighter. I've experienced that. It might be a song. It might be a note from a, a brother or sister in Christ. It might be through a small group. It might be from, from a quote. It might be a shout from the heavens in the day or a whisper from God in the night. But your identity as a true branch, it always includes stingy, jealous, faithful God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 tells me this. This is a scripture that I have applied as an anchor in the ground many, many times. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this. Any, is it are you hanging out back there? All right, I'll do better, y'all. I promise. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, He who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. So He evaluates. He does something else I want us to see. He prunes. He prunes every real Christian. He prunes every real Christian. Look at verse 2, chapter 15. I'm going to start in verse 1 again. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. Takes away, lifts up right here. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Here's the goal for the Lord for your life. It is abundance through a connection with His Son alone. The Bible calls it sanctification. A, a growth of the knowledge of Christ. And I'm going to tell you, that's measurable. I'm a systems guy. I like to, I like to think of, 
you know, qualitative and quantitative analysis. I like to work, work a plan. I like, to, I like charts. I like to see where things are trending. I like to see what's on the, the cusp. And I like to try to get ahead of the curve. And I like to lead people into the next phase. What I'm saying is progression is measurable. If you're a true branch, you should be able to look back and see progression in your life. Man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not where I'm going to be. I'm not where I should be, but praise God, I'm not where it used to be, right? You should be able to look back and say, man, God's been faithful. I have grown. I am developing in my Christian character. Chalk it up as character development. You should be moving in your Christian life. No fruit to some fruit. I'm talking about to a bunch of fruit. You can look back. But in order to produce that type of harvest, y'all catch this. He may have to remove some pieces in your life that are holding you back. Even if those are good pieces. See, sometimes good is the enemy of best. And God loves you too much to let you lay down and be weighed down. If you, if you claim Christ, you are now under the sharp knife of the vine dresser. Well, I don't like that, Pastor. Too bad. You should have counted the cost. You're just a branch. It's not up to you. You were raised to walk in newness of life. Here I am, Lord. Use me. You're my Lord and Savior. Then what makes you think he's not going to take out the vine dresser's knife and do a number on you so that you can produce some fruit? You with me? That's what's going on. There was this wealthy man. One day he was driving in his Ferrari. He had an accident. I mean, it was, a, it was a bad one. The car was totaled. Cop came on the scene and got the man out of the car. And as, as the man came to, he's like, my Ferrari, my, my rare Ferrari. And the cop said, sir, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, know, you don't have time to worry about your car. It's just a car. We've got to rush you to the hospital because your arm has been severed at the elbow. And the man's like, my Rolex, my rare Rolex. See, here's the thing. Many believers pray that God will make them more fruitful, but they don't want to go through the pruning process. And when they do go through the pruning process, they question the goodness of God. See, the vine dresser prunes. This is, what he, this is the way you prune a branch. He'll cut away dead wood that can breed disease and insects. He'll also cut away living tissue that the life of the vine will not be unrestrained and jeopardize the crop. In fact, a vine dresser will even cut away huge bundles of grapes in one fell swoop so that the rest of the crop will be higher quality. This is a picture of what Christ is saying about his disciples. This isn't some this feel-good fairy tale, healthy, wealthy, wise. What Jesus is saying is, hey, you guys are going to be in me, and you better be ready. You better be ready for the process of being a true branch. Y'all write this down. God wants both quantity and quality. That's the wisdom of the vine dresser in our lives. Quality and quantity. 
I want you to think about it like this. For the one that says, I don't want to be pruned. God, why is this happening to me? God, are you faithful? Do you even know where I am? Get caught up in, all, you know, in, in your feelings. The greatest judgment that God could bring to a Christian would be to leave them alone. To leave you to yourself. To leave you in the dirt. Dry and withering and dying up. To let you have your own way. That's not love. That's not justice. But God, because of His great love for the life that He gave us, He prunes us with skill of a master surgeon so that we will bear more fruit for our good and for His glory. The question for me and you is this. Are you going to force His hand to prune you? This is no ordinary individual we're dealing with. Are you going to force it? Know this. It's going to hurt when God takes from your life. Because no surgery feels good. But you know it's for your own good. That's why you'll willingly go to the doctor and lay on a surgeon's table to have a procedure done. Because we know the benefits are worth the pain. Our Heavenly Father. Man, I hope you get it. Your Heavenly Father is never more near to you than when He's pruning you. I mean, when a vine dresser has to, has to prune the vine, you have to get right down there on it, don't you? You've got you to make the precise cut. You just don't go in there with, with some type of heavy machinery, like a lawnmower. No, there's a difference between cutting the grass and trimming your, your rose bush. You get in there. That's the picture that he's saying. A potter. What does a potter do? A potter can't form clay from a distance. What do they do? They have to get right down on the detail. And when you're going through a pruning process, when God is removing something out of your life, whether you've placed it there out of obedience or just because he's trying to produce a greater fruit in your life, just know it's not that he doesn't care. It's because He cares that He's getting right down in your life. Shaping, molding, and pruning as the vine dresser. And here's what I found though. The more I stay connected to the true vine, the less I question the reason the vine dresser is pruning me. I just trust it. The more I connect, the more I'm in the truth, the more I'm letting the vine get and absorb the nutrients of the Spirit into my life, the more I'm like, all right, take it away, cut it away, burn it away, do whatever you need to do. But when I, when I withdraw myself from the truth and I face those things, I get angry. You see what I'm saying? Stay close to the vine. I see clearly the areas that need taken away. Worship, y'all. Worship gives us a greater awareness to it. Worship gives us a greater awareness. It's called conviction. Conviction is, is when a true branch welcomes the farmer's knife. That is a sign of maturity. That is a sign of a mature believer. When they can willingly say, thank you God for the knife in my life. For pruning. This hurts I know it hurts. I don't like it. But God, you're removing things because you love me. Either way, the thing is this. Either way, 
the spots that hurt the fruit of the vine have to go. They're, they're going. I, I've, I've seen it happen. I've, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen pruning happen in families. I've seen pruning happen in lives. I've even seen pruning happen in churches where dead branches have been taken away because they were just playing games with a Christian label. This church is only as powerful as the purity of its true branches. And so for the people that just want to hang out in the vineyard, that aren't, that aren't, aren't really serious about being connected to the vine, the Lord will subtract many times. Sometimes it's for the health of the church. Third thing is this, we're wrapping up. A true branch truly wants to abide. A true branch truly wants to abide. Look at verse uh, 4 through 6. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. So I am the vine. You are the branches. Don't get too big for your britches, you're just the branches. The one who remains in me and I am him produce much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them. They throw them into the fire and they're burned. See, this what this tells us is that we connect and remain in him consistently and comprehensively. Our life begins to reflect the true vine. The word, the word remain and abide is the same Greek word. It just means to stay and to wait and to, and to dwell and to endure. That is not a picture of American culture. We don't like to wait and remain and endure anywhere. I say it all the time. We have taco expresses. How much faster do you need a taco? We, we just, we're, we're programmed for productivity. And I'll admit, I'm not good at it. I, I, I much prefer words like go and move and be productive and keep the wheels turning. I mean, who's got time to wait? But, but dwell means stay put. It seems like the opposite of productivity, right? But what we might think as results is not always what God is after. We're, we're human beings, not human doings. And I was trying to think, how can, how can I illustrate this? How can I illustrate a true branch just wants to abide and then allow what happens in the connectivity naturally. How, how does that make sense? And it's this. When a, mer, when, when a mother gives birth, her body is designed to make milk. The milk is made in perfect sync with a mother's pregnancy and the birth. It's there. They, they, they connect. The body knows it's time for milk because the baby is here and it needs nourishment. But the mother didn't have to force it to groan or to work overtime to produce the milk. It's already built into the structure of the body. That's what I'm saying. When life comes forth, so does milk. 
Milk naturally flows from the process. That's in complete subjection of the producer. And so how does that translate? The will of God will flow with so much fruit in us when we remain and when we dwell and when we rest in Christ. We don't have to force it. It just happens. To put it another way, the greater I walk with Christ, the more we'll love Him. And the more that we love Him, the more we'll obey Him. And the more we obey Him, the more we'll abide in Him. And the more fruit we will bear. And the more that we will experience life overflowing. And that is the difficult role of a pastor. To get you to do what you don't want to do. To be what you've always wanted to be. Right? The word is active. Overflowing with fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. There are no rules to that. It's all you can eat. You can't produce it on your own, can you? You can't produce patience on your own. Just go to Walmart Friday at 5 o'clock. You can't do it. It has to be an overflow of the vine that you are connected to. You sit in traffic, you can't produce gentleness, can you? No way. You're in a booth, you want, to have, you want to have a nice dinner with your wife and there's a baby that's right next to you that doesn't want to be there and they want everybody in the restaurant to know it. Okay? You can't produce on your own self-control. It has to come out of a place that's produced by the vine. But see, these last few verses, and I'm wrapping up here, it's twofold. Yes, yeah, talking about a true branch, but the Bible is clear. That there will be those that say they believe in Jesus, but they, they never show any real evidence. These are dead branches. These are dead branches that Jesus is speaking of right here. They bear no real fruit. They might hang out in the vineyard. Y'all with me? They might even hold fruit that others are growing. But just as the vine dresser will remove branches that are dead and fruitless, so God will take from his vineyard possibly false conversions who give no evidence that their private lives were ever truly connected to the Lord Jesus. And at judgment, those branches will be burned. Goats among sheep, wheat from the tares, dead branches among true branches. But there's always fruit where there's life. And if there's not fruit, the branch is worthless and it's cast away. You bear fruit if you continue in Christ's love. Stay with the vine when you face the pruning knife, please. I'm going to read this scripture we're done. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, He has given us a very great and precious promise so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. For this very reason... 
Make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with endurance. Endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection with love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord, Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. He's talking to the true branches. So where does it put us? Well, it puts us in this place. Are you a true branch? We've laid it out. Do you know of Christ or are you in Christ? One gets more knowledge than the other. The other has faith and produces obvious Christian growth. One will be removed from the vine one day and burned in judgment. And the other will be pruned and lifted up for his glory. Y'all, it's so much more than knowledge. Even the scripture says the demons know of Jesus. They don't submit to his lordship. So as we end, consider a true branch. Here's a few things. A difference between someone that just believes with knowledge and someone that's actually a Christian. A believer knows information about Jesus. A Christian follows his commands. A believer goes to church as an obligation. A Christian knows that a church community is, is the paradigm for faith. A believer twists the Bible to, to fit his or her lifestyle. Christian works to make that lifestyle resemble the teachings of the Scripture. A believer will sacrifice when it's convenient. A Christian will sacrifice no matter their potential outcome. A believer conforms under the pressure of culture. A Christian holds fast against temptation. A believer knows about Jesus. A Christian knows Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And so my prayer is this. That the sooner that you find your identity in Christ. The sooner that you will let him have his way in your life. Lifting you. Pruning you. Using you. Because you know where your identity is. And so if there's a question about your identity as a true branch. I am trusting the power of the scripture to unveil and convict that in your own life. If you're not sure if you're a true branch, the scripture has let, let it be known that without connecting to the vine, you will be cast away. The scriptures all, also explain to you, if you are a true branch, some things you should expect. So my prayer for you this morning is to be sure you're connected to the vine. And if you're not, come to the cross this morning. Amen. Don't walk out of these doors feeling like a balloon that's just being filled and filled and filled and filled under conviction.
bring that to the foot of the cross and let the vine dresser get to work. You're made to bear fruit. Let's stand together. You're made to bear fruit. So what does this mean for us? Well, simple question. What are you going to do with Jesus? You're going to come to Jesus in repentance. Maybe you want to come in salvation. Maybe you just want to come in celebration. That's, we, have a, we have a moment of invitation right here every Sunday here at Church 213 to come and lay your convictions right here in a moment of surrender. That didn't have to happen right here, certainly. But let the Lord work and rule and reign in your heart for what He's calling you to do. If you are a true branch, bear some fruit this morning. Thank Him for His pruning knife. Thank Him, thank him for lifting you up when your face was just down in the dirt. Amen. Praise Him with a song. If you're not sure if your life ended, what would happen next when you face judgment I need to have a gospel conversation with you and I'm praying that you would have the courage to step out and just say pastor let's talk let's worship together church so much to be thankful for lead song pastor Donald